Women on the Line, produced at 3CR, acknowledges the people of the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. We pay respect to elders past and present of the Kulin Nation and we recognise their unceded sovereignty. Welcome back to Women on the Line, a national feminist current affairs program. It's produced by women and gender non-conforming people at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne Nam on Wurundjeri country. It's also broadcast across the continent on the Community Radio Network. I'm Shahrazad Blue, and I'm your host for today. Black Australia to Palestine, Solidarity in Decolonial Struggle. So that's the title of a recent article published by Eugenia Flynn and Tasneem Samak on Indigenous X. And they'll be joining us today to discuss it in more detail. Eugenia Flynn is a writer, academic, arts worker and community organiser. Eugenia is Aboriginal, Chinese, Malaysian and Muslim. And she works with her multiple communities to create change through art, literature and community engagement. Her thoughts on politics of race gender and culture have been published widely. And Tasnim Samak is a PhD candidate at Monash University's Faculty of Education. She is a single mum of two boys and a local Palestinian Muslim organiser. So uh, Black Australia to Palestine, Solidarity in Decolonial Struggle. So this is the title of your recent co-written piece for Indigenous X, an online platform upholding Indigenous knowledges and voices. In the article, you write about dispossession of land, in particular drawing the links between Palestine and Black Australia. And you talk about a shared history and reality of erasure. Can you expand on this? Like, definitely. I mean, the shared history, as we mentioned in the article, uh, it's a shared history of British colonisation. A lot of what uh, was advanced and experimented upon and formulated in terms of how Australia was colonised was used by the British to claim and colonise other lands much later on. So um, the links are already there. It's not that we, because we we kind of have a shared sense of oppression. Sometimes it's discussed in that way in terms of uh, like national trauma, but actually uh, the the colonization itself is shared as well. It's uh, similar logics, um, similar kind of um, uh, planning. Um, so that's already there. And with that, then we can also discuss about shared kind of experience of genocide, this possession that happens when there is this kind of violent erasure, the settler colonial aspect to it. For us, a Zionist one, you know, here locally, it's a kind of white settlement. Yeah, and I think, again, it's important to share that history. You know, I think lots of people wouldn't understand that there, that there is that shared history of British colonisation. That's just an English language speaking world arrogance, right? So, you know, oh, they're all foreigners over there. And so, you know, there's no sense that the British colonised that area because it's all kind of these are foreign people that speak a different language and have a different culture. And so, you know, the dominant culture here, the dominant language is, you know, English and then um you know, that, that British culture that then transmuted into white Australian culture. So it, I think 
again, you know, unless you are able to see that very clearly and, and, you know, hopefully that's what we try to do and spell that out in this article, it's difficult for people to see, to see that history for what it is. Also, we had uh, Janine Harani on the show a few weeks ago uh, and she spoke about how the British colonial administration in Palestine took eucalyptus trees or seeds from so-called Australia to demarcate uh, Palestinian territories. And uh, Palestinians were classified as, you know, natives as, you know, and that's that, uh, again, is something that... uh, as I'm saying, you know, that was, uh, you know, it was formulated and um, kind of constructed uh, through what happened in the US, uh, in Australia, you know, in Canada. It, that's kind of how race was um, constructed. And so Palestinians were racialized in very similar terms, like, yes, Palestinians uh, racialized as Arab, and therefore that sometimes creates a kind of disconnect People don't read it in that way in terms of race. Um, but, of course, that's very much the experience, you know. Yeah, and that racialization happened to, to enable things like colonisation, to enable things like slavery. So, you know, um, really that racialization is about domination, about resources and land. Yeah, and I guess that leads us to the next question, which is about oppression and discourses around oppression, which are often historicized and deterritorialized. So some so something that happened in the past and something that happens elsewhere. Been settler colonies such as Israel and Australia, the structures of oppression are talked about, you know, as if they are these interstitial events or moments of the past and that that is overcome by liberal democracies. Um, and they're not, however, and this is something that you talk about in your article. Yeah, I mean, I think they're also overcome by nationalism, right? Like that that is the idea of this kind of um, now what is a, a self-perpetuating modern nation state. And there's all sorts of, yeah, all sorts of kind of, I don't know, really rabid nationalism that happens. And we see that in Australia, you know, the kind of let's build pride in Australia Day and all of those sorts of things. So, yeah, I think that those things go hand in hand. I think definitely, you know, the the Israeli kind of uh, far right is galvanised by the rise of the far right in Europe, uh, in the West, you know, and, and of course in the US and Australia. But there are differences. So the kind of colour blindness that you see um, in Australia and the US in terms of like mul- this kind of multiculturalism, right, um, and the colour blindness and what you um, referring to as liberal democracy, that's not really um, as relevant to the Palestine experience because Israel doesn't try to pose, you know, we're, we're still non-citizens most, mostly, you know. We haven't had that kind of uh, integration sort of, uh, you know, uh, an assimilation process as, as much. So there are different points, I think, where different struggles are at. And and that's quite important too, not to kind of conflate or flatten uh, settler colonial experiences. Because, yeah, that's quite important. So in Palestine, we have like Palestinian territories. We have, you know, Gaza, West Bank. We have have the framework of kind of occupation and apartheid that people use there, mostly because the whole of Palestine is not yet under kind of Israeli 
sovereignty where Israel kind of says that it's it's the nation state and all of us, uh, yeah, that kind of multiculturalism sort of. Whereas in Australia, that's that's mostly the dominant mode at the moment that, you know, Indigenous people are Australians, Indigenous people should just, you know, gain political leadership through parliament and, that, you know, there, there's still that even though there's talks about obviously treaty and yeah and I think that that nuance is so important because I mean that's what brings us together in lots of ways there are similarities and there are differences and you know we can build that solidarity together by understanding those nuances of the situation in in both places yeah, and we can learn from uh, each other's experiences too, you know. So a lot of Palestinians now, um, having seen where Australia is at and where the US is at, are saying actually maybe a civil rights kind of um, progression is not what we're seeking. Um, in the same way that, you know, Indigenous people here now are putting forward decolonization, for us it makes sense too, seeing the experience, uh, how limited it is in actually arriving at justice, arriving at, you know, uh, any kind of reparation, etc. I think most Palestinian elders who who did fight for um, certain gains, yeah, they, they would say that, no, like civil rights is very much a worthwhile kind of struggle. There are many gains from that movement. Uh, us as a generation, the only reason we're in universities and the only reason we have certain resources now and, and some kind of voice is because of those gains. But I think, yeah, the critique is still relevant in many ways. Uh, just to look at the limits of that and the way that um, white power reproduces itself and sustains itself. I think the other thing about white supremacy is that it, it adapts. So, you know, white supremacy um, will adapt to different situations. So, you know, if there is a gain um, that's made through civil rights, for example, then it will adapt and transform to maintain its own power, right? So, you know, I think we have so much to be thankful for and to look in terms of civil rights. And, you know, here in Australia, there was, you know, black rights, uh, black power movement, sorry. Um, you know, I think that's incredibly important to kind of look at and learn from and yeah you know there are all sorts of advantages that I wouldn't have now if it wasn't for my elders in that struggle Um, you know for example AMSs Aboriginal Medical Services Aboriginal Legal Services like I said before all of the broadcast media you wouldn't have NITV if you didn't have Karma which came out of that struggle you know all of these sorts of things that we enjoy, but you know, that doesn't mean that it isn't time to change tactic because we live in a very, very different world. And because those white supremacy that has transformed and gained new ways, you know, and capitalism, for example, has become a very prominent tool used to oppress people of color, right? There are people who would say everything's about class, it's not about race anymore. You know, I would argue that those things are very much intertwined and they're becoming, well, they have become very embedded with each other. So, you know, I think changing tactic is also, you know, that's part of that. that that's just being smart. 
we have to change tactic. And we also have to return to things that, you know, particularly in the Australian context, to things that were happening in that Black Power movement in the 60s and 70s, and, you know, going back to the 50s, that um, sense of resistance that was happening was very radical and because there was no seat at the table at all, I mean, those people pushed for that, those conversations, it's very much from the outside trying to create that change from the outside. And what you have now is people on the inside trying to create incremental change or burning out or trying to create that change within the systems that exist. And so I think what you're seeing now, particularly amongst a lot of black fellows, is okay, this we we tried going from the inside and it hasn't worked. It's tired us out. It's made us um, part of this system, which we don't want to be. And so let's do things like, you know, there's Indigenous cultural reclamation that's happening. There is a resurgence of um, really radical ideas. And, you know, I think that that's important. We, we also now have um, environmental issues. And for us as, as Blackfellas, you know, our um, whole way of being and our life comes from the land. And so, you know, that land was taken from us to be a resource for the empire. And now we see 200 years later the results of that with drought and fire and climate change. The people that will, around the world, the people that are impacted by that the most are Indigenous peoples. So, you know, that is another change that has happened that is recent that we have to deal with. We have to have different strategies to deal with that. So the reality of the situation we are in now and what what we need to do to move forward to, ha- to have this freedom from a range of different compounding oppressions in a time when you have things like global pandemics, global conflict. We live in a very, very different world now than, than we did when our elders in the 50s, 60s and 70s were were. Um, involved in those movements. Um, Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, for the Palestinian experience, we can talk about, like, kind of the peace negotiations and the way that they haven't uh, given Palestinians much at all. So you have generations now uh, who, yeah, for a a few decades, you know, um, especially after the Arab Spring, because that also was a kind of attempt, right? It was an attempt not... uh, uh, Palestinians, but also uh, the people in the region, in the MENA region, who were all pro-Palestinian. The, those revolutions were about creating a kind of tr- a revolutionary transformation about uh, self-determination and, and gaining um, uh, power and asserting political will over their own futures. So now, you know, you have the peace negotiations that are kind of people are ambivalent about. Or, or no hope that anyone will support your revolutionary ambitions. So, yeah, we, we are at a really interesting point, kind of a convergence um, between uh, uprisings like George Floyd uprising in the US and then uprisings in the third world, not just in Palestine. You were just listening to Taslim Samak and Eugenia Flynn. Across these stolen lands now called Australia, you have been listening to Women on the Line, highlighting a range of gender non-conforming and women voices broadcast on the Community Radio Network. 
Uh, we will now bring you an excerpt of poetry from the Black Palestinian Poetry Night that took place in Nam, Melbourne on June 26th. So you'll be hearing some of Laniuk's poems. I rest my head on the window as the train gently rocks and I swallow my tears. I hate seeing you this way. Colonialism seems more ghastly in the countryside. Something about seeing cleared land where forests used to reside hits harder than concrete. Like maybe reclamation of land has potential and we could begin to heal right here in the soil. Like decolonization could be a verb and we could actualize our sovereign lives on our sovereign lands. But theoretical bare sovereign hand meets cold, sharp, twisted fences, meets privatised capitalism, meets white law, big guns, and we're straight back to where it all begun. There's something about seeing these old blue gums that makes me entertain fantasies of justice. Or at least a time machine. So I could unravel every atom of my being, time warp to that shoreline, meet with our ancestors, take a deep breath and put a bullet straight through the centre of Cook's fucking head. There is something about seeing our lands dotted with pockets of familiar features as though without the sounds of swarming development, it is possible to hear countries' cries for help. Rather, the sight of hooved creatures reminds me of the regime country's immune system is yet to destroy. And I smile and I nod when she says she loves horses and pretend to be excited by the rabbits and cats and foxes. But I can't take the Traugan train line without an inward cry. From Central Station to Maui, from 1788 to 2021, from here until justice. Thank you. And those are words from Laniuk, who is a writer and performer of poetry. We'll now go back to a discussion with Eugenia Flynn and Tasnim Samat. Back to Palestine and Black Australia, there's a long history of solidarity. Uh, the idea of the settler Aboriginal passports, which were made you know, purely for settlers to travel through Aboriginal lands, um, came about after a group of Palestinian women in Gadigal land came to the late Uncle Ray Jackson, who was, who was the president of the Indigenous Social Justice Association, to ask how can you know, we as settlers travel and pay respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander lands and peoples within you know, a colonial setting. Um, so I don't know if you want to speak more about uh, solidarity between Palestinian and black peoples and also moving beyond the notion of reciprocal solidarity. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to remember that there were, you know, there was early solidarity, I think in the 70s. You might remember a date more than me, Tasneem, but maybe 60s, 70s. Um, yeah, you know, that solidarity has existed for a long time, but 
it's one of those things where you you have to you have to work on solidarity and you know i think we are at a moment where uh, solidarity is in lots of ways being revived and i think that uh, you know i think that there's been lots and lots of work that has um you know really laid the the groundwork for what we're seeing now lots and lots of education um I've experienced lots of allies doing their own education within communities, you know, RISE refugees, survivors and ex-detainees for a very long time have done solidarity actions, also did stuff in languages other than English for their membership, for refugees and asylum seekers to share information about what Indigenous sovereignty means, whose land this is, um, what's wrong with Australia Day, and that that's a very you know, a project that's been happening for a number of years um, and also, you know, did um, after um, after the uncle up in Sydney did the passport ceremonies, did a passport ceremony here in, in Melbourne in, like, I think it was 2016. Um, and, you know, um, I've had long-term collaborators like Shakira Hussain and Amar Rahman. I mean, Amar and I worked for a number of years um, in anti-racism, so, you know, over 10 years trying to educate the Muslim community um, about um, anti-Black racism and that that's not just about um, Indigenous Black people here but also um, about, you know, other Black people who are, are Muslim and who are experiencing racism from, you know, within the Muslim community. So um, all of that groundwork you know, I kind of look back and reflect and think that has really helped, you know, that has really, I think, led to this point. And, you know, m- meeting someone like Tasneem and being able to um, continue that work and with her energy and, um, you know, really strategic thinking, you know, we need people to be thinking critically about what is happening and, um, you know, thinking very deeply about all the different kind of elements that go into understanding a situation and being able to try and work our way out of that. Yeah, I think that that's incredibly, incredibly important. And, you know, solidarity is very much about action. Um, yeah, I'm not really big on the <laughs> kind of service stuff. <laughs> and for me, you know, that yeah, like to kind of question the reciprocal aspect that sometimes is imposed when we talk about Black um, Palestinian solidarity, um, because you know it makes it it puts them both like on on some kind of equal footing, which you know that's actually not reflective of um, the reality, like the uh, positionalities there, because um, someone like me is Australian, you know. Um, whereas Eugenia or other um, black uh, people, they're not they're not Israeli. So uh, me being Australian, that um, has a lot here. We can't just uh, cut that out and then make it seem as though all I am is Palestinian. So there's that kind of diaspora aspect to to my um, subjectivity. But of course, yeah, that being Australian means. I've, um, I, I don't want to overdo, sometimes people overdo that whole privilege kind of stuff. 
for me, it's not about that, about like checking privilege. That's important. But I think it's just about the fact that, you know, being Australian means that um, I have a life here. My children were born here. Uh, I am, uh, I care about this nation. I care about everyone who's here and, and where we get to, you know. It's not like uh, previous generations who were thinking that, okay, they're going to live in Australia for a little bit and then when we have the right of return, we're going to pack our bags and move back to the Middle East. So there, there are different re- relations to place. And I think that's where, for me, it comes from, um, as well as, of course, you know, uh, using whatever power I do have um, in, uh, like, to advance um, Indigenous struggle and all of that. But it, it's not just about that. Like, I think sometimes people, when they speak about it in those terms, they make it, again, very transactional or about obligation. That There is that, but it's also about, it's also about, you know, um, life, about hope, about, you know, there's a spiritual element to it. And I think we mentioned it a little bit in the, in the piece about, you know, like me being Muslim, like uh, I really believe Ta'ala, you know, he instructed us to, to stand up for justice, to stand up against oppression. Um, there's a kind of sisterhood, a, a brotherhood. So there are many relations that come with the fact that I grew up here, I'm in community uh, with Indigenous um, people. Like I, before coming to Australia, I grew up in New Zealand. Um, so a lot of the kids I went to school with were Maori. You know, there's a lot of care there. There's, we, you know, seeing the way that um, Maori people were subjugated, seeing disadvantage and marginalisation, um, it's not just about me trying to be in solidarity. It's actually that that can't be the way it is um, moving forward, uh, that there needs to be uh, liberation. There needs to be, uh, yeah, these wrongs need to be corrected. And given that we live here, we can participate in correcting that. Eugenia, did you have any last <laughs> words on what, you know, moving beyond reciprocal solidarity can look like? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, I, I want to say that um, Tasneem and I had a conversation about this when we were writing. Um, it's always funny to write something in conjunction with someone else. And this was something that um, I guess, you know, you might understand on a real, well, for me, I understood on a really shallow level, but having that conversation with Tasneem was really important for me to understand where she was coming from, you know, and being able to articulate and name that, to articulate and name that it's not just about solidarity and reciprocity, but it is about what is right. And, you know, we're, we're both Muslim and um, that is it, that is something that is shared between us, this sense of um, rightness and justice. You know, for me, that comes from um, my faith, but it also, you know, comes from um, the way I was raised and, um, you know, my, uh, you know, blackness as an Aboriginal person, um, you know, a whole range of different things. And, and that is very much about the way that we relate to one another and how we exist in the world. And, you know, I think that that sense of that sense of justice and what is right and that sense of what is the future, you know, you know, just as Tasneem was saying, you can't, unless you correct the wrongs of the past, there's just absolutely no moving forward. And, you know, I have 
felt that from birth as as an Aboriginal person, you know. That has been what I was born into is a system of oppression that continues because, yeah, because those wrongs haven't been righted and, you know, our land was taken for the empire and we were racialized as black and, um, you know, attempted um, both cultural genocide and actual genocide um, and all sorts of violence, and that has transmuted into the systems that we have today that continue to oppress us. Um, and, I, you know, I think that that standing up and being able to or wanting to work towards eradicating those systems of oppression and moving forward to a better future is just so incredibly important and it it should it should be in the forefront of everybody's mind unfortunately it's not Those were powerful ending words by Eugenia Flynn, who is a writer, academic and arts worker and community organiser. And also in the discussion was Tasnim Samak, who is a PhD candidate at Monash University's Faculty of Education. And that's all we have time for on our show today. We'd love to hear your feedback, comments or thoughts about the program. So please send us an email to womenontheline at gmail.com or give us a call at 3CR on 03 9419-8377. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Women on the Line is a national feminist current affairs program with funding support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The theme music for Women on the Line is by Ripley Kavara and our programs can be downloaded from 3cr.org.au forward slash women on the line or you can listen back on your favourite podcasting app. And I'm Shahrazad Blue, and until next time.